I wanted to ask you about something that many contemporary philosophers and writers from social and cultural studies are at. Some of them believe that individualism, war, uh, reasons, dictatorship, destruction of ecology, and other contemporary problems are related to the excessively masculine structure of society. That needs right. urgent feminine perspective. Right. Uh, do you believe that is right? I remember that in a brief history of, of everything, you do mention something. Yes. Um, an integral approach includes exactly those kinds of topics, and it very much includes balancing masculine and feminine approaches. And so in terms of the kind of hyper-masculine or excessive masculine approach that the modern Western Enlightenment brought, it's quite true. There has been an excessive use of masculine agency and not enough use of feminine communion. And according to the integral model, every sentient being has at least four major drives. On its own present level, it has a drive to be its own wholeness, its own self, its own autonomous individuality, and that's called agency. And it also is part of a larger whole. And so it has a drive to be related. It has a drive to be a part of something larger. And that's the drive of communion. So there's agency and communion on every single level of development. And there's also drives to move upward to a higher level, and that's called eros, or self-transcendence. And then there's also a drive to embrace the lower levels that have already emerged. So atoms to molecules to cells to organisms. A cell has a drive both to its own agency to maintain its own wholeness, its own autonomy, to be a cell, but it also has a drive to be part of other cells, to be part of a community, to be part of a relatedness, and to have sort of care and responsibility. Those are the two drives on its own level, agency and communion. But a cell also has a drive to move upward to a higher order, and that means a cell has a drive to be part of an organism and part of systems in organisms. And that's eros, or the self self-transcending to a higher level of organization. And then, but also to embrace the previous levels. A cell transcends and includes. It embraces its previous levels. So cells transcend and include molecules, which transcend and include atoms. So each higher level is actually an increase in to put it in human terms, an increase in love and embracing and care. And what the modern Western Enlightenment did is it emphasized the two masculine modes, which are agency and eros. And it didn't give enough attention to the two feminine modes, which are communion and agape. And so what we want to do is redress that imbalance. And it doesn't mean denying what individuality and agency and eros, it doesn't mean denying those truths. Those truths brought representative democracies, 
and it brought human rights mm-hmm. and universal rights of men and women. All of that came from the masculine mode. But the excessive use of that did indeed present the world as a, nothing but a billiard ball collection of isolated individuals without communion and without agape. And so what we want to do is simply introduce those truths. We want to add those truths to the very good truths that the masculine mode has come up with. So the part of the problem um, with people that advocate uh, the feminine mode is they want to deny or deconstruct or even destroy what the masculine mode has accomplished. And that would be a disaster. But what we do want to do is complement it. We want to bring in those modes of science, modes of living, modes of being in the world that include communion and agape. And so that's part of the integral approach that has five or so major components called quadrants, levels, lines, states, and types, which we can get into or or not. It's, It's not that important, but I'm just naming them. And those are the five, and there are more, but those are at least the five aspects or components of any situation that you want to include in order to be comprehensive or as comprehensive as we can. And types include masculine and feminine. And there is definitely a disruption of that with the rise of a modern, disenchanted, detached, agentic individuality. And no way to actually get them together into a, a greater communion and a, a loving, caring agape. So, do you, do you think that the increase of uh, women being in charge of different cultural and professional positions does mean something related to this change, or or not? Well, essentially and generically, the answer is yes. But of course, it depends on the woman. Some women have themselves uh, an essentially masculine approach. So it's not enough to simply say put more women into positions. But it is to say that since women have a much greater percentage of relational drives and communion and agape, that making the positions of power include aspects of communion and relationship and care and responsibility would then make openings for women. So I'm not in favor of like a quota system where you have to have exactly 50% of of every job is filled by females. But I'm definitely in favor of changing awareness and ideas and consciousness such that it includes these aspects in which women happen to specialize, if you will. And so people applying for a job, more women would get the position than males. But it's a matter of expanding our opportunities and not necessarily using kind of a quota system. Ken, do you think that this more masculine perspective of modern world and that may be Uh, we saw very clearly in the 20th century, may reflect the failure of political structures such as communism, 
and things like that that try to help in a utopical way. I mean, um, individuality to go to communion, but was it from the same structure of individuality? I mean, was it too masculine to, to achieve it? Well, yes, and I think what happens here is that we have to bring in another dimension, namely the vertical dimension of growth and development and genealogy. And that's the general stages that I've been talking about is archaic, magic, mythic membership, mythic conformist, and then rational, rationally egoic, individualistic, and then green, pluralistic, postmodern, and also has an emphasis on communal organization. And part of what Marxism did was attempted to introduce this pluralistic communal way of living. But since each of those stages of consciousness tend to go with a particular techno-economic mode of production, so that archaic, magic, mythic, rational, and pluralistic correspond to foraging, horticultural, agrarian, industrial, and informational. And the difficulty was that some of these communal modes of knowing coming from the pluralistic stage and supported by an informational infrastructure, which really was not present mm -hmm. at the time that Karl Marx conceived of a communalistic way of living, was those the ideas were introduced into societies that were at an agricultural and agrarian stage of techno-economic behavior. And that has a mythic membership, fundamentalistic orientation. And so there, there was a great problem in that the ideas were about two stages ahead of where the techno-economic base could support it. So again, it's not just looking at masculine and feminine approaches. There was an attempt here to rebalance masculine and feminine, but not using modern and postmodern techno-economic bases, but rather very primitive agrarian structures. And so it was really rather doomed to fail for those reasons alone. And it was turned into, Marxism became a fundamentalistic religion and was believed in uh, as an absolutistic mode of knowing. And those are all variations on the mythic stage of development, the mythic dogmatic, fundamentalistic approach to reality was called absolutistic by Claire Grays. And Marxism became an absolutistic system. It was believed that it had absolute certainty, that it had a scientific approach to the stages of human development, economic development, and that it had the key to the, to the next form of revolution or transformation. And all of those had some type of validity according to the pluralistic stage. But the countries and the nations that it was introduced in were not at the pluralistic stage at all. 
but we're at the fundamentalistic stage. And so Marxism became philosophically an absolutistic system. No different than if somebody is a um, fundamentalist Christian or a fundamentalist Muslim and is believed in with that kind of absolute certainty. And that's one of the main reasons that Marxism essentially failed the whole postmodern attack on previous forms of thinking certainly included an attack on Marxism. And that was in part uh, the reason for it. Ken, if, if we look back to what you just uh, mentioned about Marxism and yeah. other clashes uh, of freedom and equality, do you believe we can go from individuality to community with consciousness of our own individuality? That's a very good question, and I think the answer involves primarily having the leading edge right now in Western thought, whether it's political thought or sociological thought or philosophical thinking, is essentially the pluralistic postmodern edge. And that is a stage of development that also becomes very relativistic. And so it, it denies universals and denies common patterns and focuses basically on each individual and each individual culture having its own truths. So that makes it very, very hard to come up with any kind of commonality across people and across cultures. Hmm. So at the same time, there's an extreme emphasis on the collective, the social structure actually creates reality, so that so-called social construction of all knowledge. And for integral thinking, that's another kind of absolutism. We call it a quadrant absolutism. The quadrants are one of those five major aspects of the integral framework, and they simply refer to the dimensions or perspectives that all human beings have. And it's the inside and the outside of the individual and the collective. And that gives us four dimensions, including the inside of the individual, which is described in I language, and the inside of the collective, our common values and a culture's uh, common meanings and common linguistic and semantic forms. And that's often described with, with a pronoun we. And then... On the right hand, or exterior quadrants, is the exterior of the individual and the exterior of the collective. The exterior of the individual is the individual looked at in an objective fashion. And so it includes atoms, molecules, cells, liver, neuronal tissues, skeletal, muscular systems. And that was the view of the medical model that I was talking about, the scientific materialist model of individuals. And that's described not in eye language, but in it language, third-person approaches. And then there's third-person plural, which is what individual organisms in collectives look like, and that's covered by systems theory and approaches like that that basically look at a holistic approach, but only of exteriors. Uh, systems theory doesn't include anything on interior values or meanings or spiritual awakenings or beauty or goodness or any of those. 
which those are found only in I and we spaces. So what we are looking at is many approaches to reality take just one quadrant and absolutize it. Say it's the only real quadrant. So there are approaches that take the interior of the individual as fundamentally real. Everything from phenomenology to Zen Buddhism Mm -hmm. takes consciousness as, as ultimate. And then there are the scientific materialist approaches that look at an individual just from the exterior in an objective fashion. So that's the standard modern scientific approach, which thinks that only objects are real. And then what much of postmodernism did is starting with looking at linguistic structures which operated as systems of meaning and could not be discovered by phenomenology, but only by things like structuralism and neostructuralism, and found that or concluded that reality itself, what we call reality, is a product of how we conceptualize it, and often on a subconscious fashion. But this is called the social construction of knowledge. And the postmodernists maintain that even modern science, even rational, empirical science, is not reflecting universal realities, but is the product of social activities and social practices. And that's absolutizing the we quadrant. The we creates all realities, creates I and creates it and creates its. And so that's sort of an over-extreme version of what postmodernism does. Now, it's telling us a certain truth. It's telling us that, that all cultures parse reality, divide reality in different ways, have different meaning systems that we cannot easily claim that our approach to reality, that let's say somebody doing social science in San Francisco, that that understanding works for all cultures. And that was sort of the claim that the Western Enlightenment made. And it went too far in claiming that its studies were applicable to all cultures. And postmodernism discovered this with a vengeance and found all of the things that were being left out or marginalized or excluded in our approaches to reality. And that one of the first, of course, is that it excluded the feminine. It left that out. But it also left out versions of reality of peoples of, of color and gays and all sorts of marginalized awareness. Modernity left out of the picture. And that's why post-modernity came along and attempted to correct that. And there's a lot of, again, partial truths in what postmodernism tells us. But in absolutizing itself, it got into trouble, and it deconstructed everything, including itself, and which is why postmodernism as a, an approach to reality is now actually sort of at a dead end. And everybody knows postmodernism is over, and there are hundreds of books, literally, with titles like Beyond Postmodernism, or What Comes Next, or What's After Postmodernism. And the thing is, if you look at developmental studies, what we find is that one of the contributing factors to traditionalism and traditional values and modernism and modern values and postmodernism and postmodern values, one of the main contributors 
as the developmental level of consciousness that individuals are at. And so at the mythic conformist level, individuals embrace absolutistic traditionalist values, fundamentalist values that are taken to be absolutely true. And then at the modern stage, the rational stage, the formal operational stage of development, individuals are open to third-person views and particularly scientific approaches to reality. And so the extreme version of that becomes scientific materialism. And then as individuals develop further into post-formal or post-modern or pluralistic modes of awareness, then, of course, the post-modern worldview starts to make sense. And the world looks like a pluralistic collection of socially constructed value spheres. And that's why one has to be very careful not to marginalize these numerous other value spheres. But by itself, pluralism cannot see how all of these different value systems are related to each other. The post-formal, post-modern level of development doesn't have quite enough cognitive capacity to see the common patterns that unite these multicultural differences. That's what develops with the next stage that is variously termed autonomous and integrated or integral or self-actualizing by various developmentalists. So there actually is a stage of real psychological development beyond the postmodern stage. And that's the integral stage that is increasingly starting to appear. As I said, it's gone from 2% to around 5%, and we think it's headed towards around 10% within a, a decade or so. But right now, the very leading edge of thinking is still pluralistic. It's still postmodern. And so that's a bit of a problem. It, it has partial good truths, but it's a dead end. It has no way to go beyond itself. And so it ends basically in nihilism and narcissism, as, as has often been pointed out. And that's part of the problem we have right now, is that our leading edge thinkers are at a dead end. 